Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Hello and welcome to Redemption's Table. It is uh, my honor this day to be sitting here at Redemption's Table with Reverend Arthur L. Price, Jr., pastor of 16th Street Baptist Church, downtown Birmingham. And Reverend Price, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. I, uh, the first question, I'm always interested in hearing someone's journey of how redemption, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, and how redemption specifically has played a role in in your journey. So could you tell us a little bit about, about yourself? Oh yeah, well, I'm native of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Born up, born in the in the '60s, grew up in the '70s in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, did what most people did: play baseball, play with your friends. And and my journey pretty much was that um, um, I was on the road um, that was leading to destruction. Um, I was in church, but church wasn't in me. It wasn't until I got into college, and I began to get. I'm serious about the Word of God and serious about my my walk with the Lord that it pretty much turned my story around. Um, um, a story where I, um, you know, um, lied and cheated and, and, and did some things that um, um, most people do, but um, the Lord was calling me to a deeper walk with Him. I, I committed at 19 just for a deeper walk with the Lord and hasn't look, haven't looked back since. So I noticed on uh, the bio on the church website that you came to Birmingham from Buffalo, New York. Is that correct? Right. My first pastorate was in Buffalo, Buffalo New York. Um, was there for three and a half years. Um, then I um, got a um, call from 16th Street Baptist Church um, to interview for the pastoral position here. And once that was completed, uh, and with the confirmation of the, confirmation of the Lord, uh, we moved to, from Buffalo to Birmingham to start um, a Bible-centric ministry here at 16th Street Baptist Church. Okay. I've been in your church uh, primarily for the Good Friday and black and white service. Uh, I told you earlier when we had met, 2013, I walked into that service. I'm from Birmingham, and I was. that service means so much to me. I'm every year it is an annual part of my worship i, I look forward to that message uh, to the that service so much uh, your church is overflowing with warmth with grace and redemption and your church has a history uh, how how has redemption 
played a part in the life of 16th Street Baptist Church? Well, when you think about the beginnings of 16th Street Baptist Church, organized in 1873, 10 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, 10 years after President Lincoln signs a document that was going to, going to ensure the freedom of black people from slavery, a group of former slaves wanted to go to a church or wanted to start a church where they could feel affirmed that, and they started the First Baptist Church for Colored People. And that church um, later was condemned by the city, and they relocated to the site we're sitting in today. However, this is the second building um, on this site. The first building was to be a, was said to be a beautiful edifice, and the power structure in Birmingham said that no black church should be that beautiful, mm. that the steeple exceeded the code, tear it down, and they did. So Wallace Rayfield, the second licensed architect, African-American architect in the nation, designed the church that we're in today. And basically 16th Street played a role for two roles, one of spiritual formation and the other of um, social recreation. Because in the Jim Crow South, black folks, black people couldn't go to a Lyric Theater or Alabama Theater or BJCC. So they would bring different people um, that they wanted to hear to the 16th Street Baptist Church from W.E.B. Du Bois to Booker T. Washington to Paul Robeson to Jackie Robinson mm -hmm. to Mary McLeod Bethune to Marian Anderson doing a concert. All of them were brought to the 16th Street Baptist Church. It was in, the mid it was in 63 when Dr. King came here when, when they were trying to integrate the parks and the school and the redemptive story of 16th Street really begins there because they were trying to reconcile race relationships in Birmingham. Um, not really being a willing participant, but came in at such a time as this. Um, after King was arrested on Good Friday, wrote his letter from the Birmingham jail, Someone, some of his captains got the idea of getting the children involved in the movement. Mm -hmm. And those children flooded the 16th Street Baptist Church about 3,000 deep, and they would leave out 50 at a time with the intent of getting arrested and filling up the jails in Birmingham and to get it on this new medium called television that was about 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So that got the attention of President Kennedy, sent down troops, they broker a deal. Dr. King does the March on Washington where he says, I have a dream. And 18 days after he says he has a, he has a dream, the response in Birmingham is to bomb the 16th Street Baptist Church. Mm. So the redemptive story for 16th Street begins on September 15th, 1963, after the Sunday school lesson, A Love That Forgives, and four girls lost their lives, people in Birmingham began to take introspection and say, what are we doing? Um, we may not have been for the racists coming together, but we weren't for terrorism and murder, which that was. So that galvanized a generation, it motivated a movement, and it made people angry, but they turned their anger into advocacy, and they advocated for a civil rights act to be passed, and they advocated for a voting rights act to be passed. So 16th Street became a place um, of racial reconciliation, and we try to say that we're, we're a church that's not about race, but it's about the grace of God, and God turned something that was evil and turned something good into it where we can come together and begin to focus on what we share in common more than what we are, um, more than what we share that are different. Okay. When I'm, <clears throat> I'm here, like I say, I'm from Birmingham, native born, born in 1959. There are places on this earth that I, uh, there, to me there's a sacredness 
to these places because of things that have transpired, mm -hmm. things that have happened there. And I am an outsider of outsider of outsiders looking in. I am uh, I'm on the back row of the balcony of heaven when I say, say this. Yeah, I, I think of places like the beaches of Normandy, Auschwitz, mm -hmm. and I include 16th Street there. Yeah. Uh, I have scars on my body. I have scars in my soul, on my soul from things that have happened in the past. Um, your church has scars from the wounds of the past how has God transformed those scars? How is God, present day, how is God continuing to transform those scars into symbols of redemption? Well, I don't know if God is really transforming the scars. The scars are there to remind us of our past. Um, and sometimes it's good to be reminded where you come from. Yes, sir. Um, I believe in Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, Moses tells the nation of Israel, after you have eaten and become full, lest you forget the Lord your God, um, you are doomed to repeat some of the tragic, some of the events that the forefathers have have repeated. And I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. So I think there's times um, where we need to remember some things. Um, I think the reason why the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper and said, "Do this in remembrance of me," because He knows that we have the tendency to forget the things that we ought to remember and remember the things we ought to forget. So he tells us purposely to remember him by taking communion. Remember the, the bread, which represents his body, which was broken for us, and the cup, which was his blood that was shed for us. So I think memory is a good thing, and that through memory we can contemplate um, how we've gotten to certain places, but we don't dwell on the past. We try to build a bridge from the past to the present and see how the Lord has brought us from a mighty long way. Okay, okay. So the scars are there to remind us. Same way um, the Passover feast reminded the children of Israel who brought them out of Israel. The same way the Lord's Supper reminds us who brought us um, out of the slavery of sin. Um, the scars of September 15th remind us that, every, that the better days of Birmingham were not better without a cause. Yeah. That there were some bitter days before it got better. And we gotta re we gotta remember history, or unless we're doomed to repeat history. Yes, sir. And in the same way that the scar, you know, when Jesus reappeared to his disciples, mm -hmm. especially when he pressed the issue with Thomas, right. the scars were there. Right. Thomas know? said, "I would not, I won't believe until I see the nail prints in his hand yeah. and the piercing of his side." Yeah. And Jesus shows up shows up a week later after he already showed the other disciples the hands and the side he he makes sure he shows Thomas his hands and his side to let him know what he went through went through for our behalf yes sir resurrected re resurrected brand new body but still the scars That's right were there so scars are sometimes uh, purposeful yes sir also i noticed from your days before you came to Birmingham, you have a Bachelor of Arts in Criminal Justice. I do. And you spent 11 years as a prosecution assistant. That's true. Um, and I think you're in a very unique position where you can see the correlation, I would imagine, between justice and redemption. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Describe yeah. that yeah. correlation. Well, um, 
a lot of people when they think of justice, they think about throwing people away, they think about locking people up and throwing away the key, and there are places and times for that. Um, when I was leaving the district attorney's office, I had the opportunity to, to um, sit second chair to a uh, habilitative, uh, uh, an accelerated uh, rehabilitative disposition program where we dispose of cases for first-time offenders. Um, um, they had were caught with a low amount of drugs or um, it was their first time on a shoplifting um, violation. Um, we had a program where we could make them whole, where this one act would not define you. That if you would just take advantage of this program, um, your record could actually be expunged and we were actually giving people a second chance, knowing that sometimes people um, mess up and do do things that are stupid and knuckleheaded um, decisions that they make. So we gave them a second chance, and that was kind of kind of a program to redeem them and not have them branded for the rest of their life, their life as a quote unquote criminal. Yes. Sir. So um, one of the things that we do here, um, we partner with uh, Family Court, with the um, with the um, um, Deadbeat Dad program, where fathers who are deemed as deadbeat dads and who get jail time will come to us and we teach them what the Bible says a father's responsibilities should be. And we teach them principles of fatherhood. And upon completion of that and their dedication and devotion of that, they receive probation instead of jail time. Same way with drug court. Um, because um, I think there's some redemptive value in trying to um, see the good in people and try to give them opportunities um, to redeem themselves because it's not always how you start it's how you finish yes, but you got to take um, advantage of the opportunities that are afforded to you to make sure that you can do that um, if if the Lord was to count iniquities none of us would be able to stand yes, so um, the Lord has given us a second chance and we want to give um, other people a second chance as well and I believe when we talk about 16th Street and second chances um, God has given Birmingham a second chance mm -hmm. that, um, yes, it has a horrendous history, but it can have a pleasant presence um, by learning the lessons from, those pa from the past that were taught and moving to a place to show the love of God and His grace and mercy today. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, when you made the decision to come from Buffalo to here, yeah. You've been here how long? 17 years. 17 years. Yeah. <clears throat> Why do you think God uh, has chosen you to lead this body? Because you, 17 years, that's a, yeah. a remarkable tenure for a pastor. Um, good question. Um, you know, I often have this conversation with the Lord myself. You know, why have you chosen me? Um, you know, I guess he chose me, as Esther said, for such a time as this. And when I got here um, 17 years ago, um, the church was, um, membership was pretty low. Um, the focus was more on the museum piece, and we had um, a vision from God to make this a Bible-centric ministry where Jesus Christ is the main attraction, that we know that people are not attracted to 16th Street just for Jesus, that they may be attracted for other reasons. But our mantra is we who are the membership um, here at 16th Street, we who make up the body of Christ, our main attraction, 
for being here is Jesus Christ. And our whole purpose is to point people to Jesus Christ and how God can turn tragedy into triumph. So we believe that God has given us a story um, and, and it's entwined in history, but in the history is his story. And it's his story of grace, his story of love, his story of redemption. And we get a chance to tell tens of thousands of people about the grace, mercy, and love of God and how God took what was evil and turned it into good and how Satan tried to um, come against the church, but the gates of hell did not prevail because we're still standing and we're still a testament to God's grace, mercy, and love. Okay. And let me just say, by all appearances, you know, I, you, you do that very well. This church Jesus. does it very Jesus, right? Always point the way to Him. Yeah. Yes. Any good that you ever see in me is Him. That's right. Anything less is... As me. Me. That's me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, how would you encourage someone going through any crisis in their life to be redemptive in responding to uh, the worst brokenness inevitable, even evil itself? How mm -hmm. would you encourage them to, to do that? Um, again, by placing their hope and their trust in the Lord because difficulties, dilemmas, and drama do not define us. Um, what they do is they test to see where is the faith that we claim that we have. Without the test, you really don't have the testimony. Too many people want the testimony, but they don't want the test. Mm -hmm. Too many people want the crown, but they don't realize there's a cross that goes with it as well. So. Um, when you think about Job, when you think about Moses, when you think about Joseph, when you think about Jonah, when you think about anybody who's going through something in the Bible, um, even though things look bleak, there's blessedness even in the midst of brokenness. That when you're going through suffering, when you can't understand evil, you ought to ask yourself, what is God trying to show me about himself? What is God trying to show me about myself? And Lord, how are you going to bring me through this? Mm. And I know you're going to bring me through it because you have a track record of bringing me through in the past. Yeah. And if you did it before, I know you can do it again. Yeah. Wow. I need to hear those words. And I'm sure somebody listening to this podcast needs to hear those words. Uh, if you could speak to your church's bombers, if you could go back, in time or anyone else who is guilty of such atrocities today if you could take that moment and speak to them for five minutes alone what would you say to them uh, that probably depends um, it depends on the context um, it depends on the setting mm -hmm. um, you know one I would say that um, all life that God created is valuable mm -hmm. and we never know what that life will turn into. Um, Moses was spared Pharaoh's wrath of the unborn born being killed and the bulrushes of the Nile drawn out of the water 40 years in the palace of Pharaoh, 40 years in the wilderness all because God was preparing him to lead the children of Israel out of bondage for 40 years. Mm -hmm. 
So we never know what God has purpose for life and that all life is valuable. Um, Luke 15 talks about um, um, the value of the one, mm -hmm. um, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, that one sheep was lost, but Jesus took time to leave the 99 to find the one because that one had value. Mm -hmm. The lost coin in the house was lost. The woman swept the house until she could find that one coin because that coin was valuable. The lost son um, who went away um, but then returned, the father waited, put, him a, put a robe on him, gave him a ring and threw him a party because he was valuable. So there is value in the one. Mm -hmm. And once we see the value of others, other than ourselves, that that's an important lesson. The other thing I probably would say is just because we are different doesn't mean that we are deficient. Because sometimes we have the our gang mentality that if you're not a part of our gang, if you're not a part of our circle, if you're not a part of our kind, mm -hmm. then we don't see any value in that. And because you're different than me, that makes you deficient, deficient from me. But just because we're different don't make us deficient that each of us have differences and each of us have something to add. But just because I view things different from you or I look different from you does not mean that I'm deficient mm -hmm. from you. And we live in such a culture where uh, my perspective, there seems to be no one reasons anymore. We do what good job of arguing, mm -hmm. but that uh, ability to be able to reason. I love in Isaiah where God invited uh, his children, come, you know, let's reason together. Sure. And uh, yeah. how do you implement that, you know, when in I, I face that divisiveness uh, in people and in, in the things that they throw out there on social media and post, you know, the, the, the viewpoints that they have. How do you, how do you uh, encourage Stop that, let's come together, let's reason together. Uh, well, um, when you talk about fractures yes, sir. and fractions, I should say, in school, they said whenever you wanted to um, add or subtract fractions, you had to find a common denominator. For the Christian, the common denominator ought to be Christ. Yes, sir. There's a lot of things that divide us but what is it that we have in common? If we start with what we have in common, then we're able um, to come and reason together. Mm -hmm. But too often we want to focus on what separates us instead of what brings us together. You know, one of the reasons why we have so many different denominations because yes. we focus <laughs> on what separates us. Yeah. But the good thing about um, black and white, um, Good Friday service is the common denominator is Jesus dying on the cross yeah. becoming the sacrifice for our sin that brings us together yeah. and if we focus on what we share in common as Paul says I think we um, we would serve each other much better yeah. um, you know Jonah um, bigotry 
forced him to not do what God told him to do. Um, God said, go to Nineveh. He said, no, I don't like them, folk. I'm going to Tarshish. <laughs> and he wound up going down to Joppa, down into a ship, down into the sea, and down into the well until he had a little prayer meeting with the Lord, and the Lord spit him up right where he needed to go. <laughs> and, and get this about Jonah. It was always fascinating to me. Out of all of the prophets, Jonah was the only prophet that succeeded. Jeremiah didn't succeed. Mm -hmm. Isaiah didn't succeed. Jonah succeeded because everybody got converted. Yeah. And he was angry about it. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've said that that would be like Billy Graham having one, before he died, having one last crusade and everybody in the stadium coming to Christ and then imagine his team finding him sitting in his hotel room sulking about it. That makes no sense. Yeah. But. Yeah. So once we understand it's about grace and not race, mm -hmm. I think we put ourselves on equal footing. Yes, sir. Good, sound, godly wisdom there. I know your favorite scripture, or at least I think I do, according to your website, Philippians 1.6. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Why that scripture? Well, I believe that he who begun for good work in me will keep on doing it until the day Jesus Christ returns. That when things look like it's not going your way, when things get difficult, dark and dreary, you got to remember, whatever the Lord started in you, he's going to complete it. That it's not about you, it's really about him. Mm -hmm. He started the work. And it's up to the Lord to finish the work. So that keeps me focused. Okay. That whatever the Lord started in me, he's going to see that it gets done. Okay. Because there's a lot of times you want to give up uh, in ministry. You want to give out. You want to give in. But what always keeps me centered is Philippians 1.6. He who hath begunneth a good work in you will complete it until the day he returns. Hmm. That's good to always keep before us. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at Redemption's Table. That's the name of the podcast. And ordinarily, we're sharing a cup of coffee today. From, I, this came from Crestline Bagel, Bagel oh, Company okay. uh, here in Birmingham. Looked like Starbucks. Uh, yeah, it looked, yeah, it looked like Starbucks, but it's... Uh, they might have some intellectual property. Uh. They might. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you are... What are the things that feed your heart? You know, we, we're real good at feeding our, our bodies, got to seek out good food or good coffee. What feeds your soul? What, what does God use to feed your soul? What does God use to feed your heart? And, and even beyond your role as a pastor, uh, as a servant of His. Again, um, doing what God has called me to do. Um, exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, equip the saints. That's, that feeds my heart that God has placed me here for a purpose and a plan and doing what I've been called to do feeds my heart very well. How do you keep your energy after 17 years? of? Uh, do you get a sabbatical? No. No, okay. No, uh, no I haven't taken one. If I did, haven't taken one. No, right. no I mean, um, you know, the, the work that's before us is so daunting. Mm -hmm. um, the work before us is so pressing um, that we kind of just kind of keep at it. Okay. Um, you know, vacation time, you know, take a couple of weeks here that they're relaxed with the family, but you know, yeah. But you know, there's so much to do. Yes, sir. So we try to keep the hand on the plow without looking back. Yeah. Those who are listening to the podcast, All right. 
as well as myself, what could we pray for, for you, and also for the congregation of 16th Street Baptist Church? Well, we pray that again, more people um, have a hunger and thirst for the Word of God, that people would come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that um, people would have a heart to win souls for the Lord. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for coming to the table today. Thank you for inviting me to the table. You're welcome. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you have been here with Reverend Arthur L. Price, Jr. at 16th Street Baptist Church in downtown Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, for those who are listening, be ready next Monday morning, every Monday morning. We broadcast a brand new Redemption's table. Table of Redemption, your party is now ready. God bless you. Have a good day. Thank you again, Reverend Price. Thank you. God bless.